Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast form of Criterion Connection. If this is your first time listening to Criterion Connection, well, this is the first episode on Anchor and, you know, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, uh, Criterion Connection is actually a YouTube show that us at Make a Dish do. We've been doing it for uh, three, four years. I don't know. So we do, like, weekly weekly 20-minute, 15, 20-minute episodes of myself and Joe and sometimes some guest hosts. Uh, we are talking about Criterion movies. Uh, like I said, we do this on YouTube, uh, but we did a little bit a while ago, maybe like a couple months ago, someone did say, you should put this on podcast form. So it's like, do we want to take away from the YouTube or do we want to move to podcast or do both? It's, it's a tough conversation, but what we're going to do is these are going to be best of. What I mean by best of is like we're not going to put 15-minute podcast out so this one is the before trilogy so we're gonna have the before sunrise before sunset and before midnight you know we might do one with a all kurosawa something like three like a, a triple feature of kurosawa films or david lynch films or jim jarmusch films or you know you don't understand like uh sets like more trilogies like we did we did do the color trilogy and we will probably use the color trilogy in the future so this is just more of like an episode to see like is there an audience for the podcasting stuff uh, if you like this, please subscribe to our YouTube, youtube.com slash Dish Productions, and subscribe to this podcast if you like the podcast form. Um, and then follow us on Instagram, Mikadish Productions. So, uh, like I said, these are excerpts, not excerpts, these are actual pulls from our YouTube show. Um, so the quality is going to sound a little different than what you're hearing right now, but here you go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Criterion Connection. I am Wade. And I am Joe. And we're here to start a new trilogy. We did the Three Colors trilogy last year. This year we're going to do the Before trilogy, the Richard Linklater trilogy. Uh, so we're starting with Before Sunrise from 1995. Like I said, it's Richard Linklater. We did Richard Linklater before a Slacker. So this is a couple years after Slacker. So let's see how he's done. Um, I feel like Richard Lenklater, his style is a lot of rambling discussions. Um, I, I feel like he has now used it to a, a more structured degree. Yeah, it, I think he challenges the, the idea that you kind of have to have big things happen. In a movie, like he's he's almost anti melodrama. Yes. And and really like and and I think there's a line in this that really um it's a really great line for one, but it's also I think a good summary of kind of Richard Linkletter's like personal movies, like when he his personal like philosophy when making movies. And, and creating stories and it's it's by Ethan Hawke uh, his character uh, on the train in the very beginning where he said you know why you know a dog sitting in the sun is beautiful and and I think that really sums up how Richard Linkletter thinks of of personal stories he's you know you don't need a lot of melodrama it just you know, the small things in life are beautiful, too. 
Yeah. And I think this uh, this movie is a good example for it. Um, I did not know what I was getting into. I mean, obviously, I knew I was going to get into two couple, two people are in love. Obviously, they're on the cover of everything, so I'm like, oh, they're they're in love or whatever, or they're just really good police partners. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was very and and you know me, I'm not really the biggest Linklater fan. Yeah, you but I, super love Slacker. Yeah, I was like, this has no point to it. Um, but this movie? Um, yeah, I like this one actually a lot. Yeah, I I hadn't seen this either. Um, and I'm a Richard Linkletter fan. Um, in fact, I, I really wasn't even aware of this movie until before Sunset came out. Yeah. Years later. Um, and then the talk of doing Before Midnight came, a, you know, quite a few years after that. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this one, too. I, I think what he does with Slacker um, has a bit of more, like, it has, he focuses it. In, in, yeah. In a, and he's able to channel it through two characters, and he doesn't have all the unnecessary, like, different people walking in and out of of your protagonist role. Even though I like Slacker for that, but I could see how you you parse it down to two characters, and he's able to really explore, uh, you know, relationships and thoughts, feelings and beliefs. And he's able to really illustrate uh, a connection between two people uh, incredibly well. And, and and I think also having Ethan Hawke and uh, what is it Julia Delpy? Is it Julia yes. Delpy? Yes. Um, as your two main actors, um, I think helps a lot as well. They are, you know, at that point, they had probably done some stuff, but they're still young actors to pull off the younger roles. But they're incredibly charismatic. They have great chemistry with one another. Oh, yeah. It, it You know, it's one of those, like, the, you know, how they always talk about the camera loves them. Well, the camera really loves these two in this movie. Yeah, um, there's a lot of things... Um, like that first scene with them at the train car, like, I like how it's like they're getting to know each other, but we're, mm-hmm. but we as the audience are also getting to know them and know their quirks and all that and their yeah. views on life. And it's start and the dialogue starts very like, like very like small conversation ideas. And then throughout the movie, they get more deep and personal. And, and not only that, they also... It, it it's that natural progression of you know these are the things I think somebody would like to hear to n- now they're getting comfortable enough to say things that the other person might not want to hear yeah which uh, is I, what happens when they get to Vienna and get yeah. off the train what I like about like there's one scene that like 
there's like you know even though there's like dialogue there's also scenes that work when there's like zero dialogue like yeah i got a couple a couple in mind like they're like the one where they're inside that vinyl listening room the listening booth yeah that was what i was gonna highlight yeah they're just like you can feel it yeah they feel attention they listen to the song and you just see them kind of steal glances from each other when the other's not looking smile when they do realize the other person sees them yeah and just kind of like you you start to see like that's you know the real spark of the relationship is is just them spending time and how often like does that come up where it's like can you spend time alone not talking yeah and, and, and as being a barometer of you know how you feel you can you know spend time with this person yeah and and it's and it's great it's not even like an overly like um it's not one of those song choices that pounds you over the head with the message i mean it's subtle enough it still has that message where it's like they're gonna get closer together yeah they didn't play Barry Manilow or anything like that. It's nothing like super obvious. It was, it was such a and Richard Linklater was probably, you know, that's probably one of the things that he could be known for is picking, you know, less than obvious music choices to fit a mood perfectly. Yeah, and there's yeah, also the, the 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 listening booth is definitely the the one of those scenes I wanted to point out. Um. There, there's another one that happens before that, and I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I don't know if it was her, or the the writing, or the directing, if it was in the moment or not. But when they're getting off the train, Ethan Hawke hops right off and walks out of walks out of frame, and then she comes down the steps, and right before she gets off the train, she stops looks and takes a breath and then walks off. And I think it's like a yeah. perfect moment in the movie where it's just like, is she really going to take the leap? Yeah. And, and really like do this. And it, it's, it's such a perfect moment. Yes. Uh, also, I like uh, two things with Linklater does. During dialogue scenes, he usually like a director will just direct like uh, to just get someone talking and on the camera. It's you know their headshot. Oh, you're talking about the shot reverse shot, and he lets people interact. Yeah, he he usually you film the reaction after Mm -hmm. they say the line, but he's filming that especially on the train car when he's talking about the grandmother, and she later references that like that's what kind of sparked it for her with him, the relate the connection. Um, you could tell that in that shot because you could see her face. Like it looks like she's slowly uh, admiring, slowly falling in love with him by just looking at him. And as he, as he tells the story, you just tell it in her face. Yeah, That's how it, great it is. It, yeah. It's, you know, it, in hearing like all the praise these movies get, like to watch it and see it, yeah. I th- I think is even more powerful. Yeah, uh, and al- because, and also- because it is. It's, I mean, it's largely three people: Richard Linkletter, uh, 
uh, Ethan Hawke and, and Julia Del- Delphi, you know, carrying this this whole movie, and just the being able to not only have the right instincts at the right times, but to just pull it off perfectly. Yeah, and and then you have, have like he also filmed he, he Slacker also films like with um, one of my sequences is. He uses transportation as a way to have more conversation, and that's realistically what you would do. You're not going to sit on a train car and be like, we're not going to talk. But when they're on the um, the street train, mm-hmm. and they're just doing this whole long shot dialogue while the train is moving, and you see everything in the background, I think that's a really great shot. But yeah, and, and, and that was one of the things I wanted to point out. When you were talking about the train, I thought you were going down the idea of he doesn't do a ton of shot reverse shot dialogue he always he likes to do a lot of two shots yeah where where you can see them interact with each other yeah and and that's really capturing that chemistry you know instead of somebody saying a line and then you know to the camera it's a lot different when the actors are are allowed to interact with each other yeah it's just you know and then you get to uh and it like it, I like it's also really like almost perfectly paced. I think, mm-hmm. like the third, the first act ends when it's not day. It's starting to become a little like it's evening. It's starting to sun setting and stuff like that. And then they kiss. Spoiler: they kiss at some point in the movie. Um, like that's it. That's the end of the first act, and that's exactly thirty minutes in. So I'm like that's so like. The fact that they got it that 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 to maybe not thirty minutes but close to thirty minutes that close that's at the end of the act and then the evening to the night and then the early morning is the third act. Mm-hmm. Like it's really smart. Also, we can't forget to mention the two greatest actors in the movie. Uh, Are you the, talking about the guys on the bridge? The German actors. Uh, Wilming, one of them is Wilmington's cow. Yeah. Um... Big missed opportunity. I wanted to see that play. But I do like how they're like, oh, we forgot to go to the play. I'm like, thank, that's, thank you. I forgot. I was wondering how the cow was doing. Yeah, I wanted to see the play, man. Yeah, and then the third act. Up. Yeah, and then the third act is very uh, sad because you realize, oh, he's only here for like till like 9.30 in the morning. Well, I, I don't know if you can consider it sad. I would say it's probably closer to bittersweet that's what i meant it's bittersweet because you know they have that discussion uh when they're doing the uh the fake phone calls yeah that was and he's like are you gonna see him again and she goes i never even thought about this she's like we haven't talked about that one yet yeah and then the conversation comes up later he's like yeah i'm leaving he's he's and, and they talk about potentially seeing each other and you know, it's it's such a where they agree that you know they're not going to chase each other across the world. Um, you know, it it's you feel kind of sad because you're like you guys should you know you, there's obviously a spark there. Yeah, but at the same time, like they're letting their reasonability like get in the way. Yeah. And and it makes sense because both of them just had those breakups where they went all in. 
and it didn't work. Yeah. And it makes sense on a character level, but the fact, you know, where they go, well, we'll meet each other in, like, six months at this place. And you're like, okay. They're they're keeping the door open. They're just not... There's still, like, another wall to get torn down. Yeah, and, and we know that before sunrise, sunset is, like, in, well, it was made in the 2000s. So it's like, they didn't begin six months, I think. Yeah, I... I We'll have to see the movie next week and see, find yeah. out. I, I'm, I'm not. I haven't brushed through all of these yet. Yeah. And I'm. I don't know if I really wanted to like rush through them like the first week. No. Exactly. I'm not doing that either. Uh, that's why we're not having a buy rent or skip. Because frankly, I was telling last week, you're not gonna like. Oh, I'm only gonna buy before sunset. You know, you're gonna. You're well, gonna who buy knows? Ones. Yeah. Who knows? You never know. Yeah. But, We'll talk about it at the end, and and we'll see how we feel. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but you know, perhaps the trilogy on Blu-ray is in my Amazon cart. Oh, but who knows? You know, yeah. if I were to pick, like, it, I would think like, no, I think a whole lot of people should watch it. Yes, uh, this is a whole uh, lot more uh, people than that have actually seen it should watch it. For a movie this, for a movie that's this minimum, there's not like explosions. There's not like, there's barely. There's not much. I mean, there's a dilemma. They only have a day. It's the dilemma, but it's not like, like it's, uh, it's not like any other drama where there's like stakes. Yeah, it, like I said, it's yeah. it's anti melodrama. Yeah, and it's like it's really good for what they have for just having two characters. Two major major characters just talking throughout the whole movie. It was very engaging. Yeah, uh, I I give it. I, it's, it's a it's a lot like my dinner with Andre, where it's just it's literally just two characters sitting there talking, and you just can't stop watching. Yeah, it's so it's so good. Hey everybody, this uh, is Scott really from the Mink and Dish podcast, along with Wade from the Mink and Dish podcast, and. Joe, not from the Make a Dish podcast. But he is on the Make a Dish podcast. Yeah, now some of you might already know, but for those who are new to the fold, we started the Make a Dish podcast a couple years ago, and uh, we've been having a lot of fun with it. Kind of just a place to talk about life, talk about, you know, entertainment, talk about just basically whatever Comics, like. movies, uh, pop culture, video games, movie reviews, top fives. And just a bunch of just jovial back and forth, you know? I like to think of this as, it's a podcast about nothing, but it sure is something. Yes. And you can listen to it on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Wherever you listen to podcasts, that's where you will find us. And as always, remember to keep it clean. Keep it sweet. But most importantly, you've got to keep, keep it, it mint, mint condish. The second movie of the Before Trilogy, uh, we did... The first one before sunrise last week. So this week we are doing the Empire Strikes Back. We are doing the Temple of Doom. We are doing the Jaws 2. Uh, two Towers from Lord of the Rings. Yes, this is the Two Towers. Uh, you know, I thought that Two Towers was a shot-for-shot shot remake of Before Sunset. So weird. Yeah, that time when Saruman didn't meet Gandalf in Vienna. <laughs> We are doing before 
Sunset from 2004. It's been nine years since the events and also the movie of Before Sunrise. Uh, they both look older, but they also don't look like they're ancient. It's only been nine years. It looked pretty good for nine years. Yeah, it's that, you know, good old Hollywood actor genes where I don't look like I've aged 20 years every nine years. <laughs> but yeah, this starts uh, nine years later. Ethan Hawke has written a book, or Jesse, I should just say Jesse, has written a book, and it's about the events of Before Sunrise. So it's obvious that they did not meet in six months. Uh, so he's just talking about the book, you know, Ethan Hawke, Jesse's like, he's an older version of the Jesse that we met in Sunrise. He's still the kind of like braggadocious kind of like, you know, not braggadocious, more of like, uh, goes with the flow, kind of like, he likes to make jokes, but kind of like hide any serious talk like with, the, with the people asking, like, oh, what about the book? Well, oh, you know, he starts talking yeah. about that weird, I'm sorry, I'm going to write a book that takes place between the length of a pop song and you're like what are you talking about jesse i don't know if you could do a book but that'd certainly be a good short story yes <laughs> but um but yeah it's it's jesse and we still kind of like it's a nice way to reintroduce him because we broke down a lot of those barriers in the first movie but to bring him back to to the point where like he's still a little defensive, and and it, like eases us back into it. I mean, he's still like he's he's still vul like he's more vulnerable than he was in the beginning of Before Sunrise. Yes, but he's not completely unguarded during this book tour. It's it's he's older, you know. He's matured, but he's still like you know can put up those defenses. Yes. Just like Celine. Celine. You know, when we run into her, like it's the same thing. For for a lot a majority of the movie, believe it or not. Yeah. So it you know, it it, it it's able to pick up the same energy that we left off with, kinda. You know. Yes. It, it, it eases us back in. And and he's very similar. Like he he does have those kind of wisecracking, like quick witted, you know, deflections. Uh, but he still has like those those deeper ideas that that he had in the first movie. Like it's, it's still it. That was what was the first thing that stood out to me. I'm like, wow, he just like settled right back into character after nine years. Yeah, like, it's that's like it's like... not easy to do. It's like it's been yes. It's, it was only been yes since yesterday since they talked to each other, right? So it's like wow. I guess time doesn't matter if you have a connection with someone. Well, and, the, and and it's a little further than that. I mean, just the actor Ethan Hawke settling into the Jesse character. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. After nine years, like that's that is not easy to do. And, <clears throat> and then do that and add in all the story that happens in between. Yeah, and also, like, you know, when he sees her, like, mm -hmm. they, they, they just totally cut to her. They didn't, they didn't establish that she walks into the bookstore. They just cut to her. Yeah, and, uh, you, and you as the audience is like, oh, man. 
Well, that's the thing. Like, it and, and it happens just the way it happens for Jesse. Like, she's there all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they basically said, "Let's get coffee." And it's the longest walk to a coffee shop ever. Uh, uh, but it's needed. You know, they explain why they didn't meet. Uh, her grandmother died. And and I think. But again, we have the same setup. Jesse's got a fl- plane leaving soon, and he wants to spend the rest of his time in Paris with Celine. Yes. And Celine, again, very preoccupied, like, don't you need to be somewhere? Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And, and then we get into finding out why they didn't meet in Vienna. And again, Jesse starts with putting up the front. Like he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, good thing you weren't there either. Yes, I wasn't <laughs> and, there. And it turns out he was there. Yeah, and she sees right through it. You know, it takes her a minute, but she sees right through it. And she's like, oh, my God, you were there. Like, the first movie, there's stake, there, the stakes are very low. But I feel like the movie, this movie, the stakes are higher. Yeah. Because they, they didn't waste nine years apart. But they know that, that they might not see each other again. And even they point out, like, I even thought, like, why don't you guys exchange numbers? They're like, we're stupid. Why did we do that? Yeah, uh, and, and I think on top of it, the, you know, he has a wife and a child. Um, they both have their own careers. She has her boyfriend who has his career. The stakes are higher. Yeah. Because they're not just freewheeling single 20-year-olds. Yeah. You know, they're... I, they're very much like in their thirties. They, they, they have things that they may not want to lose. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like in the, when the, in the first shot of him at the bookstore, the first thing you notice is that ring and mm-hmm. like, Oh, 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 how's this going to play out? You know? Uh, and also what I like about this movie is I, it's a bit more cynical. I, I don't not, think I don't think cynical is the right word. It, it's like everything they like everything they did in their twenties. There was not really a consequence to this one. There is a consequence to. They're more like Celine's more into like what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's much more. Um. It well, it's less happy go lucky. You know? Yes, it's, it's very much. Um, a movie where these characters realize, like, like we were just saying, there are stakes, and I think the characters have matured enough to, to a point where it's it's like they understand a there's consequences, b you know, like in the first movie he talks about feeling, um, like invincible, sometimes, yeah. And and they know they're not, and they and they you know experience more loss, and and more you know negative things have happened to them, and so, you know they're constantly reminded that time is fleeting, and 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 like I believe they bring up reincarnation in the first movie, yeah, and I think they say they both kind of believe in it, but he he's the one that points out he's like, but there's more and more people on earth. Like where are these souls coming from? 
But now it's more of like she doesn't believe in it at all. And he's sitting there and he's like He's a borderline monk. Yeah, well he 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 <laughs> wants to be open to it, but he's like, but part of me's like, you know, this is the only time we've got. Like we we might as well enjoy it. Yeah. The time, like the he has to go on a flight on seven thirty, but he has to really leave at seven fifteen. But now the stakes are bigger, like because now there's more gravitas to him. Like now it's starting to feel like more. Not saying before sunrise was not. It, it felt like a more like a frolicking, you know. Yeah, it's 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 more adventurous. It's more you're able to just kind of. I mean, he also they also had more time. Yeah. So they they took everything much slower. And they just meandered around all night long. Whereas this one, he's got maybe a couple hours, if that. Yeah. And basically, he's like... There's a bit more urgency on his side. Yes. Um, In the beginning, where he's just like... I, I want to catch up. I want to talk. I want to. I want to spend the rest of my time with you because this tour is suck. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you're like you're going to be the best part of it, and I know. You know. Yeah, and around, I want to say probably once again before we get into like the, the near the third act, um, where the real meat and potatoes is. Uh, right, yeah, Richard that last Pitt, like. <laughs> that last like twenty to thirty minutes is real heavy. <laughs> uh, Link later does the same old things he did at Sunrise that works really well. He has two characters that are they're even more enjoyable, I think. Uh, maybe because I'm like you know we're in our early thirties, uh, late twenties. I think we relate more with these people than we did like twenty three year old like ah uh, to be like twenty two year years old. Yeah, we we've made choices that and, and regrets and stuff already. Yeah, once that your mid twenties is where you really kind of decide who you are. I mean, which is still... funny because that's when I think their first movie takes place. But I mean, they're still both kind of dealing well, with college and being right yeah. out of college. I believe she was she because she said that story in the the cafe that she woke up. She's thirty two, so that means if she's actually thirty two at this point. Says so she was twenty three in the first movie. Yeah, they're just out of college then, yeah. and with us were several years removed. Yeah, so I, that's how we end up kind of relating to these people a little more. Yeah, these um, versions of them. Well, once they get on the the boat, the ferry, that's mm-hmm. where I think Ethan Hawke's character. This is where I think both char- both actors uh, really shine. Is these little moments like this is it. This boat is the last thing he has. Mm-hmm. Well, of course he has the he has the car. He he adds the car ride afterwards. And he keeps trying to find ways to spend more time with her. Yes, and but he doesn't. He doesn't know how to come out and tell her that. Not only like like it's. How do I put this? She she picks up that he wants to spend more time with her, but she keeps con, you know constantly reminding him like he needs to get back home, and he's just trying to put that off as long as he can. And he's trying to put it off while she's like 
she's trying to push him away at times because she's like she doesn't want to get hurt. She doesn't yeah. want to have and that's, this heartbreak again. And I think that's what's really interesting in this movie. Um, because she was guarded in the first one, but this one she's a lot more so um, because of the experience and uh, of of Vienna all those years ago. And then, like, with both of them, feeling like they missed the boat on it. Yeah. That, as, they, as they talk about on a boat. Yeah. And then, like, because she knows he's married. And I don't think she wants to bring it up. But for him, he's like, you're, you know, he's having trouble, I guess, trying to say, like, you're one of the best things that have happened to me. Yeah. Outside of his son. Yes. And, uh... And he just keeps trying to... He keeps delaying it so they can get to that point where they both unload on each other in the car. In the car, yes. That scene is, so far, the best... To me, the best scene in both movies, I think. It's so... It's so tense, and they just unload. It's just like... And it's it's very, very real. Yes. Um, you know how how that kind of unfolds. Like she's like, I am disgusted when I'm not, not disgusted. She hates being with him because it hurts so much. And it's like, oh my god, man, oh my god. And then he's like talking about how he thought about her during his, before he got married. Like, oh man. And then it like and it links back in with their conversation. He's like, wait, you lived in New York? Yeah. He's like, I've been living in New York. He's like. That means we could have crossed paths. There's a lot of regret. And then there's that story where he says he thought he saw her going into a deli. And at the time, he can move past it because, like, you know, shake it off. It's just a memory. Like, she was, she's in Paris. Like, there's no way she's in New York. And then to find out she lived two blocks from that deli. And it just, it's really crushing for both of them. Yeah, and and there's one moment in the car scene that I think is, I don't know if it was improv, but I think it's brilliant. It's when he's, she's done venting, and oh, she's okay. upset. He, now he's venting about how his marriage is failure and stuff like that, and he looks out the window, and she takes her hand. And oh, she, she almost, wants, yeah. Yeah, she wants to stroke his hair to comfort him, but she has that hesitation, and I think that's such a, I, I wonder if that's improv because I feel like that's that's a brilliant well, that's, little thing. And I think we ought to give them credit because they are co-writers. Yes, like and Richard Linklater credits them as co-writers because who knows these characters better than those actors? Yes, uh, at this point. And then you know they find a cat, uh, Shay. I don't like this movie's already better because it's a cat. Um, and then <laughs> yeah, the, and the, again it links in. He's like, oh, his name's Shay. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, well, "Yeah, why?" And he's like, "You're a commie," <laughs> like, and it just links <laughs> back to the earlier conversations. Yeah, and then they go into the apartment, and well, they had that slow walk up the stairs. Like that's another great moment. It's like they're slowly walking up those stairs in silence. They don't, they don't know what they're about to walk into. Right, and it's them going. It's, but I, I think. It's more on Celine is like 
is, is saying, like, am I really going to do this? Yes. And it's him just being like, la-di-da-di-da. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's just, like, looking around going, like, man, like, because I think part of him is like, I could have been living here. Yeah. Uh, and then... So it, he's taking it in. And that leads into the... Not the climax, I guess. Technically, it's the climax of the movie is the apartment where... I don't think it's the climax. I think the yeah. climax was the car. Yeah, that's true. So this is kind of like the final scene. This is like the... Like, she plays the waltz, which is a great, great moment. I feel like you got a lot of great moments in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they played the Nina Simone song, and... And she... She, uh... In her embodying Nina Simone playing live, because it is a live CD. Yes. Which is even better. Um, she ad libs the, you know, you're going to miss your plane. And then he says, spoiler. <laughs> uh, there's spoilers, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I know. And like, oh, okay. So now you're thinking, okay, so now she's going to take it to the airport. And this has her dancing. Fade to Black, directed by Richard Linklater. And you're like, oh my god. Yeah, and he just sits there, he smiles, and watches her dance. Because you know what's... You know that he... That basically says, he is staying. Uh, he surely wants to. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just... It leaves you open. This is one where it has a very open-ended... You think he could have got went back on the plane. You think he stayed there. Poor, I guess he's going to do his divorce out of country. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, and the, and that's the thing. Like it, it's not. And that's one thing I really loved about this movie is like for that part where he talks about an empty marriage. He, you know, it it does a great job of not painting either one as the bad guy. Yes, uh, which is. Say incredibly you know much more realistic it's just they're not right for each other yeah they just got married because of the the, she got pregnant and he thought there's a real big scene where he big conversation where he's like you know it just seems like you know that's what you're supposed to do you're you you settle into things because that's what you think you're supposed to do that idea of well i that's what I gotta do. I gotta get settled down. I gotta get married, and then I have to have kids and stuff. You know, that's something that I think a lot of people, even like our age range, maybe now people are entering their twenties. Now, like, there's an expectation of right. life, and sometimes life isn't like that. It certainly isn't, and yeah. and and I think this movie does a great job where he paints like the way he talks about it. He he doesn't. It doesn't paint her or him necessarily in a bad light. He's just like, you know, every time I want to, like, kind of tell her and, you know, and, and, and he's like, I want her to have a better life. I want me to have a better life. He's like, every time I want to tell her, I see Henry and I don't want him. He's like, I don't want to miss anything with him. Yeah. And, and he's like, but then my house is, you know, one without laughter which really strikes Celine and it's just it's such a great that 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 scene is so good this movie where like the first movie was just gentle flirtation mm-hmm. and fling kind of stuff this one's like it's like a chess game like every single move they make true could have dire consequences like and and i think each one is playing it that way 
Yes. Because they're not revealing their cards as easily as they did in the first movie. Yeah. They are... They understand that there's stakes involved. And and because of what happens after the first movie, the Vienna meetup, uh, that doesn't happen. You know, each one of them went through their lives thinking, like, you know, the other person... It wasn't that big of a deal to the other person. And they try and move on, but be, each one can't. And, yeah. and, and in this movie, you have... What what colors it in that less happy-go-lucky, more urgent kind of feeling is this idea of, like, we already missed this once, and obviously it matters to me a whole lot. Yeah. You know, like, obviously this was, a, it was an important meeting all those years ago. Yeah. And even implies, like, He's joking, but I think it's deep down it's the truth that he wrote this book and did the tour. To try and so, meet her. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really good, man. It's, it's, and I'm like, it's, I think myself... It's still okay, really good. I'm thinking, okay, so before Sunrise is going to be like the, <clears throat> the crown jewel, they're all going to kind of gradually get lower in quality or whatever. This is the opposite. I think this is better than Sunrise. I don't... This is hard, man. I don't know. Like they're both fantastic movies, but I think I love this movie a little bit more. Than I Sunrise. think it's one of those things where, for me, like the movies are real good. Yeah. Right? And I just think seeing them together makes them even better. To conclude the Before trilogy with 2013's Before Midnight. Starring Ethan Hawke, as usual. Starring Julie Delpy, as usual. Directed by Richard Linklater, as usual. And we're here. It's uh, they're in their 40s now. So let's see what kind of shenanigans they get into. Uh, this movie is sad. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's sad. It's uh, not, not really sad, but it feels like... Um, your heart's being ripped out of your chest sometimes. Well, and and I think, again, they address it in the dialogue of the movie. Yeah. Um, that this is real life, and it's not a fairy tale. It's not going to be sunshine and roses all the time. Yes. Uh, and I really respect the movie for going into that part of the arc. Yeah. Uh, it felt like uh, it was necessary. Um we start off, like, with e- this is the first time I actually see Ethan, like, it's a different ending, because it's more about Ethan's, or Jesse's, uh, relationship with Hank, or Henry, and he's, like, feeling rough. But he has his own family now, with, uh, Celine, so it's like, he's torn between two different worlds. Uh, basically the movie is, he kind of wants it both, but it's not as simple as that. Right. Uh, we... it, it, like like I was saying, it, it, this is a this is real life kind of movie. Yeah, it's like you've got two two things you want, but unfortunately, at the moment, there are so many circumstances that prevent you from having both. Yeah, which would be the optimal thing. 
Yeah, and uh, we all know, we've learned that uh, Jesse's ex-wife is not a big fan. Not a big fan. No. No. <clears throat> um, and then we basically... They're they're in Gre- they're in uh they're in Greece right yeah they're in Greece it's um, a vacation um, yeah and he was invited by the Englishman uh, Patrick who lives in Greece um and basically was invited to stay with them for a few weeks and along while they're there they meet uh, the young couple which is Patrick's grandson. And what was her name? Anna? Yeah, I think the guy, I think his name was uh, Achilles. Yeah, it's like Achilles or Achilles or whatever. Yeah, it's Achilles, yeah. And then uh, the other couple, which was Stefano and Avrani or something like that. Stefano was great. Yeah, and, and. And you have Patrick and um, the older woman who's like a a widow of his longtime best friend. Yeah. Um, and each of them kind of... What's great in this movie, and they've done it in the other two as well, is, you know, at the dinner, you have everybody kind of exemplifying and having their own perspective on what love is. Yeah. And everybody is slightly different. Meanwhile, uh, <clears throat> while this is happening, this whole conversation is happening, Jesse and Celine are having issues. Um, yeah, and it starts pretty early on. Um, you know, we, we see how hard it is for him to let his son go back to the United States probably for, you know, six to eight months. Well, until uh, Christmas. Okay, that's about six months, <clears throat> I'm assuming, because they're in the middle of summer. Yeah. Um, and wishing he could be there with his son for, for more things. And, and it was something that was laid down in the last movie as, you know, he didn't, want to get divorced because he didn't want to be without his son. Yeah. And you see that he did. And and that he is. And so that it, you could see kind of how much it wears on him. And it it starts overflowing into his life with Celine and the girls. Yeah, and Hank's okay with it. Hank's like, it's okay, Dad. It's fine. And yeah, and that and that kind of represents a kid in that position who's just like he doesn't know anything else. Like yeah. that's it's just the can he was dealt, and that's how it is. Yeah, but yeah, like it's a it's a downer. But but like when we first see Celine and the interesting thing that makes this movie a little more different is the first time we see Celine and Jesse interact is they're pretty much frustrated at everything. Celine's like frustrated with uh, she's in between jobs, she doesn't know what to do with her job. Uh, and, well, I think know, she has an opportunity, but as we pointed out in the last movie, she's in 
in what we are led to believe, it's it's kind of like a comp compromise of morals. We established in the last movie that she's anti-government. You know, she's very um, against the way government is run, which makes sense uh, given that time period. Um, and then now she's considering taking a government job because, a la like SLC Punk, she has this notion that you could do more damage from the inside than, than from the outside. Yeah. And with him, they, the, the dialogue, the way Richard Linklater writes it, it, it allows Ethan Hawke's character to put forward, you know, I think you would not be happy, or I, I don't think you would like that job. And you still have that lingering question, like, well, does he really believe that? Or is he trying to convince her to not take it for another reason? Yeah. And, and I think it's really well done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you and, literally... then, and, and, and that leads into the point where she just brings up moving to Chicago. And as us, as the audience, it, it comes out of nowhere because he doesn't even bring it up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're led to believe that they've had this conversation dozens of times every time Henry leaves. Yes. Um, which happened that, that, that scene that, that helps explain that happens later. Yeah. And then, the, you know, they had a the dinner and then they, they walk around the town, which is very refreshing. It's very, uh, if, you know, very uh, before staple. They're walking around rambling. In a European town, just walking yeah. around talking. And it's not really about... Sometimes they're talking about, like, you know, their relationships. They're, mm. they're not talking about the kids. They're not ta- you know, it's it's they finally have a time for themselves. And it leads up to... Uh, Stephanos gives them a hotel room. And, uh... Well, that's... Like, oh. That's what leads to the walk. Yes. Uh, he, uh, they They... Stephanos and his wife insist on letting um, Celine and Jesse have a night of their own while they're in Greece. Yeah. So they are going to babysit the kids, and and they bought them a hotel room to spend the night and do whatever. Yeah. As Stephanos <laughs> would like heavily imply. Yeah. So they're doing whatever, and then when they start to do whatever, and uh. A phone call happens, and then it just it just starts crumbling. It just starts spiraling from there. Well, it's it's these. Um, I don't want to use the term, uh, but it's these past frustrations. I yes. Use that. These past frustrations that each of them have been holding on to. Yeah. That all bubble to the surface at once. Yeah. And and they're finally alone, which really gives them the opportunity to lay into each other, which most parents try not to fight in front of their kids. Yeah. So so it obviously makes sense that if they hadn't had kids around, like this fight could have been had earlier and been more moderate. Yeah. But because there's so much time and pressure built up, it it really does explode and you think you're led to believe that, you know, this is the end of, you know, this relationship that we've been following for 
two and a half movies. Yeah. And really, it's the unmasking of the fairy tale. Yes. Uh, because, you know, the, the first two movies are very fairy tale like. You know, you have the chance encounter in the first movie, and they fall in love as young uh, 20-year-olds. Then the second movie is they had that missed opportunity, but now they have a chance to rectify it. Yeah. And they do. And this movie is, yeah, well, it ain't ain't like that all the time. So it's like... real life. There's real problems. There's real discussions that need to be had. So, like, Sunrise is like, this is what a relationship could be. And, uh... Sunset was more of like what should be, and Midnight's more. Uh, what's trying to say? What, it, what is. it is. What it is. What the truth is. Yeah. Um, and, and that's there's a great line at the end again. And like they're able to use dialogue to really get the theme across without banging it over your head. Yes. But it's the part where after the blow up, Jesse comes and tries to talk to her. Yeah. And he does the whole charade of being a time traveler. But when she calls him out, she's like, stop. This isn't a game. A joke. Yeah, it's not a joke. And this isn't the way it used to be. And he's like, well, and, and he drops it all. And he's like, well, fuck. Like, I don't know what I can do for you. You know, you say you want the old Jesse and I try and bring the old Jesse. He's still here. Yeah. He's like, but what you don't understand is this is the true love and this is your opportunity yeah <laughs> this is real it said yeah. it's real uh yeah that, that blow up they are straight mean to each other they just throw like real low blows yeah like you're mean. not well you're not good and bad like oh jesus celine like both of us like the argument is so he's not good he's not adventurous he's yeah he's sane all the time. Yeah. He's monotonous. Yeah. Which implies that she's getting bored. Yeah. And, you know, in an argument about his deflection, he's like, simple pleasures. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it still hurts, man. It still hurts. Like they, it's one of those things, like, it's not like it's anyone's fault. It's not like, oh, Celine's being more mean to Ethan Hawke. You yeah, know, he it's, pulls it's, out it's, the daggers himself. It's kind of equal. Yeah. He starts saying, like, you know, like really attacking her morals. Uh, yeah, he does. He he does a couple of them. Like he he tells her he, that she's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, nobody would last six months with you, which probably had happened before. Like none of her boyfriends lasted more than six months. Yeah. Um. And she's kind of resent. She's kind of resentful on him having like a successful book tour and always being gone while she's kind of sacrificing her dreams. So there's a lot of like resentment. Um, yeah, and then there's him giving up his time with his son to yeah. be with her, and they each are. Where it stems from is. It's this mutual guilt and this mutual resentment. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, each one kind of wishes they had the best of both worlds. 
but each one realizes that they are also the problem and the yeah. reason why it can't happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then at the end, uh, Celine walks back in and said, she just drops the bomb, the nuclear bomb, and says, I don't think I love you anymore, and leaves. And you're like, oh, man. Right. Why, Richard Linklater, why do you have to do this to me? And then I was like, oh my god, is it going to end right here? And I looked at the time, and there was another, like, five, ten minutes. I was like, oh, thank god. Because uh, Linklater, I would not be put it past him to end right there. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that would have been antithetical um, if he would have ended it there. Because I think he points out that, you know, the anger may be there, the resentment may be there, but they still love each other. Yeah. And that's kind of the theme is, you know, in real life, there's going to be these struggles and there's going to be, you know, a loss of passion possibly and you know things like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, love isn't always pretty. It's also messy. Yeah. And <clears throat> another, another praise for Julie Deffley who does, she does enough, like, the thing, like, Sunset we talked about last week was her grabbing, she, she her stroking his hair. Yeah, she's, she's almost, the she's the queen of, like, nonverbal yeah. body language. Like, at the end, when he's, like, kind of lays it out on her, and he's sitting right next to her by the, the, the water. Yeah, and she's crying, but trying not to let him see that she's crying. Yeah, and she also... Reaches to grab her purse like she's going to leave, but she stops herself. In that split second, she stops. And I think that's really great. And then she kind of like, I guess they reconcile on that. Because uh, now she's like, tell me about this time traveler or whatever. But what I love about it is, I think I watched a, <clears throat> yeah, it was like a, like a video of Ethan Hawke talking about his char- characters throughout his career. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and... He said something, I was like, oh my god, that's perfect. At the beginning, he said, like, at the beginning of Sunrise, you see that old, that old elderly couple, the older couple, uh, arguing. And they're, and, they're, and they're kind of mocking him. Like, we're not, you know, they're, they're, why are they arguing? You know, it's kind of awkward, right? Mm-hmm. And they turn into that couple. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, like, you know, very... There's, there's a lot of symmetry in, in these movies. But he does ask, like, hey, um, so, uh, like, are we, is it, are you going to be like that in 40 years, in your 40s? Are you going to, you know, it's kind of like, are we going to resent each other? Also, what the hell, Ethan, Haw- what the hell, Jesse, eating your daughter's apple? What the hell, dude? Hey, I'm not, I'm not judging the man. Like, he was probably hungry, hadn't had anything. He's depressed. And- and and the apple was there. The daughter was asleep. <laughs> and it's okay if you take the apple. It's okay if you take the apple, but you gotta take your kids to the ruins, man. Also, they were asleep. You can't just <laughs> rob them of two things in like one fell swoop. Yeah, good old like realistic parenting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so as a whole, I think the before trilogy is great. Um. Same. I think this one 
uh, leans on the other two more than the other two lean on each other. Like, if you watch this movie by itself, you probably would be like, man, this is a bummer. Yeah. Like, why do I want to watch a real couple fight? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, there's talk of there's going to be a fourth one. There's talk because the next one will be probably 2022. Um, and they're well, 50s. Well, they'll be 50. Well, yeah, but my question is like, hey, what would the title be? Well, <clears throat> is it before Twilight or? Well, someone was saying, I think uh, even Rickle- Linklater said it'd probably say after. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Yes. Uh, so, Joe, um, I got the question for you. We've been waiting three episodes for it. Buy, rent, slash stream, or skip? Um, I would say the trilogy is a buy. And if I did break it up, it would be bye bye bye. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, I'll lie and sink. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, there's there's not one to skip. It, you know, watching them all enhances the experience of the other ones. Um, whereas, like in other trilogies, you can watch like one and be satisfied, and just not watch the others. But I think this one. This one, you're kind of duty-bound to watch them all if you've only seen one of them. Yes. Uh, I am also in the buy, 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 buy situation. Um, <clears throat> I was going to buy it for the Barnes & Noble sale, but they sold out online. I was like, ah. It's because of us, man. We, we hyped it up. and Yeah, but I did buy the Before Sunrise Before Sunset screenplay book. Oh. So I can read some stuff and get, take some notes on screenplay writing. Screenwriting, not screenplay writing. Oh my. Apparently I'm a writer. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I mean, this is great for studying, like, naturalistic dialogue that still re- remains true to the theme, doesn't strand too far from it. Yeah. So that's our before trilogy, man. That's it. Uh what are your guys' thoughts on before trilogy or before or midnight, in particular? Uh, let us know in the conversation below. What's another trilogy we should do down the road? There's a couple of them that we could do. Uh, we, well, I, I always think: should we compare this with Boyhood, uh, a singular movie that goes through about the same amount of time? Yeah. Uh, let us know. We should do that anytime soon. Before trilogy. Let us know how, what other movies that we have done on the YouTube that you want us to do on the podcast. Let us know. Once again, subscribe to our YouTube, youtube.com slash Productions. Subscribe to this podcast. Like this podcast. Share this podcast. Share the Criterion Connection word. Till next time, we will see you later.